book about. So, yeah, this is a famous writer telling a story about her husband dying, and he's supposed to have a certain thing, and so she drives him to the to uh, the hospital, and they deal with that thing, but another thing is is engendered by the hospital visit, and that kills him in like three days. Okay? Now, this isn't like a random story. It happens quite a lot. So you go in there for something, and then you come out with something else sometimes. And I remember when I got, uh, I had a staff in my left, my body before, uh, from I think shooting drugs. And I had a rod in my left leg. And uh, this was uh, just near the point where I, I was coming to my end and I was going to enter recovery. So I, the staph infection, it had hit me and I couldn't move, I couldn't walk. So I was crawling around this apartment on my ass and I was dropping lines down and picking up the drugs and bringing them up. I swear, any you know, the whole point is like if your right arm was bleeding, you'd never you'd just look left all day. You know what I mean? It was just avoid, you know, dealing with anything. So I was actually crawling around my ass because I couldn't walk and it just totally screwed me bad. And then I got back on a cane and I just oh, like nothing happened. And so I kept living like that and I ended recovery. And I started having complications again, but my leg, my knee was swelling up really bad. And I was a house painter. And I was actually doing uh, a job about my whole apartment house in Masonic and Haiti. It was my first year of sobriety. So we had it all scaffold, and I, I had to go in. I couldn't uh, deny it because it was throbbing and super red. So I went in to the hospital, and uh, they did all these tests, and I had to go back for like a month. They thought I had AIDS, this and that. First of all, they don't know most of the time what's going on. They're just throwing darts in the dark, really. really. And so they kept, you know, saying these terrible apocalyptic, you know, diagnoses. So yes, this is that. And then I was in there for one another day, and they they said Jesus. They fell upon the idea that it was a staph infection, and they they. And they put me right in. I didn't even leave the hospital. Yeah, and so they opened up my leg and they scraped the rod, you know, and cleaned it. Yeah, and then they closed it and they they had six they had uh, six holes with three tubes going irrigating it from this machine, right? Irrigating it with antibiotic all day. Yeah, it's supposed to be a totally enclosed system. Yeah. And anybody, anybody. All right. So after two weeks, they say, "Okay, we think you're all right," and they release me. And then that day, it blows up again. So I had to go back in, and they opened me up again. Like they should have just put a zipper there because it was the exact same scar. They opened up again, and they took the rod out. And now they did the same thing. They irrigated it for two weeks, and it was supposed to be a totally what? What do you call it? An enclosed. Uh, yeah, it had its own integrity, everything like this. So one day I was reaching down the, uh, off the bed to get something, and one of the tubes was just sticking out, sucking up the air of the hospital room. <laughs> you know what I mean? Irrigating it through the fucking... I mean, I couldn't believe it. I was like, what? It's supposed to be... Don't move, keep this thing... Okay, okay. And there it is, it's dangling off. It's now you're stuck in the machine. <laughs> so... <laughs> So uh, the whole point of it is we have, we're in a failed system, what we're relying on. We may, it may become acutely obvious that we're relying on a failed system, but usually it isn't acutely obvious. 
And you can see how, all right, the person's intentions is noble, and it's, he's following the steps of it like an authoritative, oh yes, they know better than me. And then you go in and you surrender to that, and yet unintended consequences happen, yes? Because something's off. Yeah, the, like our ability to recognize something and then to take a, a, to navigate a, a direction that would produce a good effect can be really suspect. Yeah. So I used to, I always talk about it with where you know I had the, the trouble in my digestion for years and so obviously I was trying to seek relief and I was falling upon a lot of new ideas and. Uh, and I would try them and give them my best shot. And all the while, they weren't really producing any results, but I had a lot of hope, you know, the hope would burn eternal. Yes, if I just keep more, you know, and more this, more that, it's going to produce. And yet, so this one time I did it religiously with this uh, very high-level probiotic, which I found upon it. Hey, maybe I need more beneficial flora. Maybe this irritation in my gut is something that sounded great, yeah? A lot of support, you know. Yeah, yeah. The books, oh yes, yes. Probiotics, yes. These are the highest form. Canadian milk shipped, you know, to Whole Foods. Fifty something bucks for a little bottle. You know, you get like a bottle for the week. Yeah. So it's like two hundred dollars a month, maybe. Drinking these things. So I don't. I said, all right, I'm buying it. Fifty billion. I mean, how can I lose fifty billion of these little cells I'm putting in every day? You know, religiously. And a year, and I'm watching what I eat. And so I decide, and nothing's really seemingly changing, you know, but I see the hope's burning eternally. Yes, I'm feeling a little better today. Yeah, I can tell. It's a little bit eased up, you know. Because you want to be right. You know? There's a drive to be sort of right about what you're doing. So, I, so then I got to a point where I was studying, how can I get my shit tested, you know, because that's the best way to see what's going on inside, is for you to send your stool somewhere, yeah, and then they do a thing, a test, and they'll return the results and tell you what's actually going on in there. So the, the one at the time was the best one was the East Coast called the Smoky Mountain Labs. Yeah? And it was expensive. So I sent my money in there, and they send a little thing back, a little kit to conserve your shit, you know? And they give you a little thing. Check off what you want to be looked at, and you'll know, charge you, and then you'll have a thorough examination of what's happening. So I did it. Took parasites, of course. I never find any parasites in there. This, this, you know. And so I send it back, and then a couple of weeks later, they sent me the return, the information, and I was really excited. And I look, I'm going down the things, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, all right, signs of beneficial flora, zero percent. I go, what? There's actually no beneficial flora in my system, and I've been pouring it in there for two years. What the fuck? <laughs> You know what I mean? Where is the results? None. Zero. Not not zero point three. Zero point zero zero. Zero zero zero. Not like it has never been there. It never was there, and it's never going to be there. <laughs> you can put this same idea, you know, because there you. I was very noble. I thought I was doing the best thing for myself. I was very religious, vigilant, I followed the directions, I spent money, I put my money where my mouth was, or my intention was, I did what you would call like a dedicated approach to this process, and it did not produce one bit, and actually, the two bacterial strains that were fucking with me, 
fed on beneficial flora. So I was actually giving them gourmet meals. I was giving the problem which I wanted evicted gourmet meals with a giant sign, stay, stay, stay. I mean, why would they want to leave? This is like heaven to them. I was pouring in what they'd sought the most. (laughs) I see spiritual practices sort of like that. I do, in a way. It's hard to make a judgment on how you're doing because there's so much meaning it, it's invested at least if you're a seeker there's just so much meaning in it you can't really uh, separate the weaf from the chaff you know a lot of it's advertising and maybe there's some results but it's really they're pretty doctored up I'd say because at the bottom end unless you have a living authority like a guru that lives with you then you're basically your own authority on how you're doing yeah, on this huge process to reach awakening or enlightenment or whatever it may be. Yeah? And just maybe that mindset could be the biggest deterrent. And that maybe for the mindset that seems to be dominant, it may be the worst thing to ever give it something to do with a huge amount of meaning. Yeah? It just maybe it's just going to have a field day, but it's going to make it mean. You know, just maybe it could be the case. I felt like that was the case in hindsight with me. I had put so much meaning into spirituality that the best way for me, quote unquote, to be spiritual would be not to be engaged at all in any spirituality. I would probably actually grow and express and find out what I was so much faster and cleaner than if I used that view. Now, I'm not saying it's a general... But for me, personally, my life story really yells this out loud and clear. Because of all these, these things, on all these different levels where there's a sense of self-will being, being uh, exerted that proves to be a failure. Yet, it has a very noble sense, and there's a certain bias because you feel, before you even get any evidence, that it's true. Yeah? There's a feeling, and maybe it should be held with a little more suspicion. It may not be an intuitive hit. It may be the mind, in one of its lovely little chameleon act moves, to sort of like uh, put gold leaf on a dead fucking horse, you know? So it looks like a really noble one to go riding into the spiritual horizon. Yeah? Just maybe. Maybe there's other ways that may not have anything to do with other ways, or a way, that maybe when the mind was left in like ordinariness, or just, I like to call it dog shit awareness, just an ordinary sort of sense of, hey, you know, this doesn't really mean much, I'm going to a store, I'm not doing this, I'm doing that. But I find it can be incredibly enriching that if every movement of my day is meant to have so much meaning, it's cast into so much meaning, this is another step to my my odyssey of total self-awakening. It's just, for me, I found that to be obsession with this idea of being a self, more than almost anything else. You know? I would match it, in a way, with drug addiction. But drug addiction is a lot, a lot louder and messier, but it has almost the same type of trance-like effect. You go into a very, like, a cloud of denial 
but there seems to be a lot of rightness in it. There's just a, you know, you really feel like you're right, and they're right, and this is the right thing to do. But if they were like factories, if you could see like these spiritual processes were factories, they would have been closed down. Because they're just living on subsidies. Yeah? They're living on our incredibly weird interests and attention, but in a lot of ways I don't see them producing the goods that they were, in a way, maybe they're not saying it, but it's implied a lot. Yeah? If you do this and go here, you're going to get better or whatever. Yeah. That's what people thought when they went into the hospital. That's what I thought when I was taking all that probiotics. I had this just basic, seemingly innocent assumption that if I do the quote-unquote right thing, there will be the right result. But the whole system is off. The whole system could be skewed. So what looks like I'm really, uh, what is really building a stronger, better vehicle for my full self-expression could be have could be four flats. I'm not going anywhere. You know what I mean? <laughs> so everything seemed to start and get really good when all that stopped. I don't know. Maybe it's a coincidence. I don't know. But it's when something sort of collapse the system of constant hope and drive and nobility and purpose, when something from the inside collapsed that system, then what that system I thought was was pointing to or, or its base advertising was that became obviously so already. And that the mirror is perfectly clear. It doesn't need me standing in front of it polishing it. Yeah? I actually, all I see is my own reflection. Instead of seeing the emptiness of mind, I see me trying to look at the emptiness of mind. And yet you have like a 3,000 year old rag and it's got tons of scriptures written on it. It's some really, how see better, you know? But in fact, is it? Is it? Is it? Is it translating as an ease and comfort in one's life? Yeah, not that it's leading to a future place of completion. How the fuck do you know that? You know, but right now, is there a relief in how you travel? Do you feel a little bit lighter? Yeah, that things that were seeming so important aren't as important. And you know what? Life doesn't collapse when they become less important. Yeah, the whole thing, the impending doom doesn't catch up with you. The big foot of retribution doesn't squish you like a bug. Maybe you're the one who's playing all these roles of God and this and that. Maybe you need to get let off your own hook, so to speak. How can you get let off your own hook? Well, seeing that you're not that, maybe. You're not the hook. If you're the hook, how can you get let off the hook? Yeah? Every little possibility of getting let off the hook is another part of the hook, yeah? But if I'm not that, if I'm not that, that has to be clear. If I'm not that, that needs to awaken in this lifetime. If I'm not that, that Jesus, I better meditate longer, they're catching up with me. Whatever it may be. If I'm not that, maybe it'll be okay just to do whatever's happening. Um, maybe it would translate immediately into your posture today. That you could just relax. Yeah. I mean, not relax like after you've gotten five massages, but a deeper relaxation. And a relaxation of the 
mind, yeah? the mind not being so constricted into a formal way of seeing and thinking and doing, but that it loosens up and spreads out. And then you see it's mind and mind alone that you've been looking for, really. And if it is mind and mind alone that we have been looking for, obviously that shuts off the looking for it, because you are that. Yeah? And maybe what was being placed, let's say, next week at the retreat is available right now here in this little ammonia-soaked room in Marin City. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. So instead of that little sleight of mental hand that it's always put off a little bit, oh, it's five, the movie's at five today, I can't wait, whatever it may be. Yeah? Your, your attention and interest isn't sent out you know, around the block to get something all day. You know, around the, the time block or the spatial block, but it's actually hovering here and it's attending to what's going on and also what's not going on in a way. What can't be seen and felt and taste. Maybe just maybe its its scent its sense of smell can smell that presence. Yeah, if it, if it isn't like constantly trained to smell things, concepts, feelings objects, but maybe its nature isn't of nothingness. Maybe it would immediately, it's not lost in finding that home. Yeah? It knows exactly where that is, which is everywhere. So wherever I am, that's where it is. With no requirement necessary for me to meet it, because how can I meet what I am? Yeah? I'd have to play a big pantomime of being what I'm not, either on a very subtle level or on a very gross level, to believe that I can find what I am. Yeah? So to me, when I'm seeking for what I am, it's actually an affirmation of a false idea that I'm not. <laughs> really? That's the dilemma. So it sounds like it's noble to go this way, but it's actually the opposite. It's not it has nothing to do with not noble, but it's off. It's not, it's not correct, let's say, or it's not, like in Buddhism, it's not the right view. There's something off with it, yeah? And if, if, if that activity is, is allowed to go in its direction, direction sort of, instead of finding something, it's used to affirm a lie, in a way. So, if I'm driven to seek for something, I must believe something is not here, yeah? Obviously, yeah? If I'm driven to get something so badly and it has so much meaning, then right now must have not have much meaning at all. Yeah. Usually the mind doesn't turn itself; it just keeps looking at the ball. But where does the game start from? You know, what's really causing that drive to get that ball, so to speak, is the is the belief there it's absent. Let's say I don't believe that's so. I don't believe there is an absence. I just don't. I don't believe there's an absence that there's going to be a mythical pseudo-presence is going to fill. I don't believe it. I just think that's a sleight of hand to create the meaning of time, so that or make it. So you keep putting things off. You keep putting what you are off as to something you're going to find. I mean, it's insanity to me. Because it can go on and on and on. And once that sense is set up, the shenanigans mind can get up to is unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I mean, seriously. It can make others higher powers. It can make, you know, saviors out there. Someone's going to save me. 
you're always going to hate the thing that's going to save you because it's never going to save you because you can't be saved because you're not not saved you know what I mean it's prior to being saved and and found whatever way prior and there's no approach to it see that's the thing and paths always infer either in a subtle way that there's an approach why would they use the word path then Path is something the body follows to get somewhere. So we, in our language, it's formulated as if we're going somewhere. And when we get there, we're going to arrive at something we're not at now. Or why would we get on the path? Exactly. Why would we get on the path? First of all, we don't have any choice, because we're all wound up action figures as this. We're going to go where it's going to go. But to follow with all our attention and interest, to me, is crazy. You know? <laughs> because what's going to happen if a failed system can't deliver the goods, which it can't, it's going to fill up the space with excuses, rationales, and blame. It has to rationalize its, in, in, its ineptitude, it's going to have to make excuses for it, and then it's going to get down and dirty, start blaming others or itself for the ineptitude. Yeah? Instead of just realizing, hey, that's its nature, like a snake, it's going to bite, fuck it. Free the mind from that bondage by seeing the failedness of it, and maybe it'll pick up something that's reliable. Yeah? And it'll know it by its fruits. It doesn't need much advertising because it delivers the fucking goods. Yeah? It delivers the goods. You're a happy customer. Yeah? You don't have to sing the praises of your future, your future purchase. You have the product now. You're living it. Yeah? And it's totally accessible at all times with no requirement necessary. I tell you, like, uh, Z gave me a book and I had a certain interest in looking at it. I did not look at that freaking book for three months, two months. It just, there's absolutely no interest. I can't engender it. They're like little embers. I try to kick up. Yeah. And he's like, the others are blue. Yeah, yeah. It's fucking. It. <laughs> I know the New York Yankee blog. You know, <laughs> Why do they expect Alex going to hit this year? <laughs> that fucking works for me. It doesn't have any meaning. It's fine. I can just go with that. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> REI's having a sale? Great. Let's go. <laughs> There's a big a spiritual teacher. No, fuck it. Let's go to the REI sale. What? Oh, yeah. At least I'll be wearing something later if I go to REI. <laughs> I try to be extreme and paint a picture. I'm sure everything's fine for me as a form of expression. But it wasn't a form of expression when I was out there running around. It was I was locked, stock, and barrel in that that mind of I am lacking. The only way I can become full is by doing and having. That was it. That's the only. It was like a one-trick pony up there. It painted it different colors, but it was basically the same theme all the time. I'm uncomfortable. I don't want to even explore that. Let's explore this. Let's, let's explore the ultimate comfort of forever. Oh yeah, let's go for that. I feel like shit right now. Don't oh, no, that's not you. Let's go that the ultimate piece of foreverness. When? Not now. <laughs> Five lifetimes. Oh shit. Can you make it four and a half? 
Uh, okay, four and a half lifetimes for you because you're very advanced. Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it didn't work for me. It didn't. I swear, I thought I gave it a pretty good shot. And then I just finally, it, it, the blame left me, yeah, and was looked at a very clear observation that the system has failed. There's some inherent flaws in how we look at things, yeah? It's already contrived. It's not coming from any organic or authentic place. It's like my feeling of being Paul, it's sort of like I, I slept the first few, few years of life and then I thought my life started at six. There's something that has produced this feeling that's way prior to when I seem to be, oh, this is Paul, this is the starting point. That's square one. I think I'm on like square six when there's a sense of being Paul. I think I'm way, I'm already in the game. I'm already the boot of the Monopoly game. There's no turning back. Yeah? I'm like, then Marvin Place looks all right. Boardwalk, great. Baltic, eh, fucked. You know? And there's all the same value system. But I'm a certain spiritual boot type. So I have a different sort of value system. Yeah? But it's the same thing. There's like Himalayas, is bought like Boardwalk. You know, going to my job is like Baltic Place. Meditation and yoga classes, Marvin Place, pretty good. Yeah, you know, helping others. Uh, I'm too busy improving myself. All this stuff, yeah. I didn't see it, and then I did see it. Yeah, the fuck? And I realized, jeez, this feeling of being Paul, if I believe I'm Paul, and you can sort of, you can express conceptually some of the flavors of that feeling of being the doer for sure that you're a bodily you're not in a body but body has a lot to do with you because the mind doesn't say I'm the body it says it's my body so the mind is constantly in the state of ownership or claiming yeah claims the body it claims consciousness it claims the thought systems and how does it claim it I'm the thinker I'm the doer I'm the haver yes so the sense of being the I is produced by reflection of claiming. So it claims activities that are happening through this life, yeah? But it claims somehow to be the doer of them, yeah? So it seems really crazy to think that you're digesting your food, but it doesn't seem crazy to believe you're the thinker of the thoughts that are happening, which the thought system is a much subtler process than digestion, and yet, even a crude process like digestion, it would seem hilarious to say, "Oh, I'm, you know, I got to go home and digest that burrito from last night." <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. It seems to be involuntary. Yeah, we don't really claim it that much. I shouldn't have fucking digested that that way. It took me a long time to digest it. Gotta speed up my no. But the thinking is held in a whole different way, isn't it? We're constantly looking at the thoughts as if somehow. There's something we can do about them. Why is that possibility seemingly so prevalent? Because we're taken to be the thinker. Once the claiming has occurred, then there's a lot of possibility for tinkering. There's a lot of possibility for intrusion, for control, for influence. And so the mind, which is pure mental, the conditional aspect of selfing, is just a mental process. Yeah, Through the claiming, it makes everything mental. It takes away your body as a physical thing and it makes it a mental image compared to other magazines that the people show you and other this and that. And so now it's sort of like a possession you have that you can compare with others and see where you stand. 
Yeah? All of this happens after the fact of the claiming. We're just questioning, all right, who is it that's claiming? There isn't anyone. That's my little hypothesis. And there's a lot of people with the same hypothesis. So let's not just, there isn't a self. That's too extreme. Let's look at, all right, there is the activity. Thinking, you can't deny, thinking seems to be going on, right? There is the activity. Yeah. Then there's a feeling of my, yeah? There's a feeling that it somehow has something to do with you. Yeah? It's yours or it's, yeah. So that's the claiming. That's the claiming. And then the claiming gets habitual. It infers there's a claimer. You never get a picture of the claimer. But while you're living in this interpretation of every of, of all the activities as the, you know the claiming and then the, the inferred claimer, there's a feeling it's you. Yeah, the you gets uh, like flesh and blood by our daily uh, activity of falling under that trance. Yeah, but if you just look at it, all there is is what's happening and then the claiming of it. There is no claimer. The claimer is a phantom. You never see the claimer. You never get a good picture of the claimer. You feel like they're yours, yeah? And the feeling they're yours creates the one who has it. But where is the habit? Has it? Where is it? The best you can say, well, it's me. Well, where's this me? Is it the I? Is it the awareness? Or is it the body? Which one is it? Well, it's sort of like between. It's like... A me, you know, like a bastardized little hybrid of the I and the and the you, and then it, it just suddenly it spawned a me after about eighteen months of just I and you. <laughs> suddenly, the I and you was brought together by this lovely little process in the mind, the mental process through selfing, and then the me was born. What was it? Was it born, or was it? Blown, was it like <laughs> blown into appearance and it has to constantly be blown up into appearance. By what? The constant claiming of activities yeah? by the mind, the mental process, which infers or points to or implies or assumes there is a claimer or a thinker or a feeler or a haver or a doer. Yeah? And it's tricky because you can't deny the doing and the thinking and the feeling. Yeah, That's the trick. But it uses that little undeniable activity to prove that it's undeniable that there's a thinker. Yeah, Thinking does not prove there's a thinker. Feeling does not prove there's a feeler. It only does it to us. It doesn't do it. Thinking is thinking. Yeah, Feeling is feeling. Consciousness of it is consciousness of it. That doesn't mean there's someone, there's a someone somehow that's the one that's conscious of all this. And it's so conscious it's actually doing it. So it's left just being conscious of it and it's become an active participant on the doer of it. Yeah. The position of neutrality talk about in recovery, I would say, is when you you realize the consciousness of it. That's the neutrality. When the consciousness is claimed and you suddenly become the doer of something that you have absolutely nothing to do with, <laughs> that's the living bondage that that doing is going to be used for to bond you or bond mind to the idea of being a self. That's called the bondage of self. 
The bondage of self is when activities are being claimed by the mental process and inferring there's a claimer, that claiming is the link or the bondage to that claimer. Yeah? So this is true. These are real chains. But what they're chained to isn't real. And we assume, though, that this is real, therefore that's real. That's a huge leap. Yeah? It's a huge leap to say, thinking, therefore, there's a thinker. What's what I think Descartes said? I think, therefore, I am? What was he thinking he was? A thinker. It's the fundamental flaw of all flaws. I think, therefore, I am. No, you're not fucking thinking. Therefore, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> so take that, the cot. <laughs> Stick it up there. Oh. <laughs> but who'd be doing that? <laughs> so if you see it, it can help to uh, liberate you from an imaginary problem. Because it is an activity, though. See? It's not a set in stone problem. It appears, its appearance taken to be so is the problem. So the appearance has to be regenerated because it's not real, so it has to appear a lot. So the mind is constantly claiming all the activities of what's happening. The seeing, the feeling, the hearing, the thinking, the tasting, yes. It's claiming, 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 claiming. So that constant activity is is producing this feeling or this appearance that there's a you, that you're doing it or it's being done to you. Yes? And it went... Without that activity, it could never produce that feeling. So without life, you wouldn't be able to have a bound life. Yeah. It's only through life that you have a bound life. Yeah. Because life is, its, is its, its reason for its whole premise. So it's in the claiming of life. So when life is not seen as happening, but happening to you, that's the bondage of self. Yeah. And it can never complete its mission. There's never going to be a self to be bonded to, but it can sure damn like feel like it is. Yeah. yeah. And when that feeling is that strong, basically at that point, your mind is in like the seventh step of the production of the bondage of self. You're not even close in a way to what act. You're like, it's like, it's really trippy if you see it. It's like a conveyor belt or an assembly line the assembly line produces a product. So the activities go by, there's the, uh, then a claiming of the activities, they, they blend, and then there's a product, the claimer, or the doer. Yeah, The feeling of being the doer always produces a historical feeling that you are before that. That even when that isn't happening, you're happening. So even when you're not doing anything, there's still you there. Yeah, This is just a, a trick of mind. There's no relevance or truth to it. It just produces a historical feeling. Just like when you have an epiphany or an epiphany occurs or one of those big moments, whatever, and when it's coming, when it's starting to seem to come to an end, there's a thought that usually arises and go, I had this incredible epiphany. And that thought, the I, yeah, that is being inferred, feels like it was there before the epiphany, and now it's there at the epiphany, so it now makes this incredible event of its own absence and experience it had as this hysterical remembrance and as this 
present day, present moment remembrance. Because all you and I are, are a remembrance. That's what the mind's doing. It's remembering me. All day. How does it remember me? By the claiming of the life. So life is claimed, and now it's construed as my life. Yeah? It's remembering. That's all it's freaking doing. This is all a memory. It's just remembering Paul. Yeah? How does it do it? It conjures up every day by the claiming of all this stuff. Yeah? What's remembered by the claiming is Paul. And then there's this vague little sense of being Paul. And it just opens up to millions and millions of old ideas finding expression here through us. Fucking crazy ideas like separation. Yeah? That you could be the source of love and yet feel like you've never been loved. Unbelievable. These incredible possibilities seem to take uh, form here through this, like, uh, fucking open... This self is like a giant gate for all these old ideas and beliefs to come and have some form, some form of expression in your life. They seem so real, yeah, to us. Yeah. You got it. Things are set up. The only way they could have all that access into a life, certain parameters must be met for that to occur. That's where the freedom lies. Is if you see the parameters that set that up, that gives you the possibility of not having it occur. Yeah. Because the seeing overrides everything else. Yes. Like in recovery, they say it's a two-pronged disease. Yeah. There's the physical allergy. So it's sort of like if you eat strawberries, you're going to break out in hives. So physical sobriety takes care of that. Yeah. If you just don't drink, you're not going to get the hives. Yeah. So that physical part of the solution is don't drink, yeah? But then the other part is the mental obsession. Now, it doesn't matter how great your physical body is in, it's not going to override the mental obsession. When push comes to shove, you can be super healthy and go totally crazy and start getting loaded again, yeah? Because the mental obsession doesn't play that game. It overrides the physical. So the fit you can't physical health isn't going to override that mental obsession, and obviously any mental solution isn't going to override it because self can't get out of self. Yeah. So if the problem is of mentalness, mentalness isn't going to be the solution. So there's another aspect of mind that they you may want to use the term spirituality, but to me it's just mind, and the solution is there. The solution is of that mind, not of the mental process called selfing. Yeah? So that's why they call it a recovery. It's a spiritual solution. To me, it just represents another aspect of mind, not self-centeredness. Yeah? That's where the solution lies. When that is applied to the mental obsession, it can eradicate or neuter the power of that obsession a day at a time for the rest of your life, if you just entertain it. Yeah? But not for the rest of your life, but through a day at a time. Yeah, of the rest of your life. Yeah? It's never not going to leave the day at a time frame. Yeah? And it's even smaller, but let's just say that. Yeah? So the solution, you can, self can't get out of self, obviously. Everyone's one of the biggest axioms in recovery. Self can't get out of self. So you don't, you can't use the mental process to get out of the mental process. <laughs> but there's a lot more mind there than just the mental process. Yeah? And we're, we are that. We are accessing it because we don't have to have any requirement to meet what we are. It's available. You just have to not stop believing it isn't available, really. Yeah? It's not about... And so for me, the, what recovery does, the steps do, they affect the mental process. Yeah? 
they they diminish the mental obsession, so more of an aspect of mind that's not available becomes available, and that's the solution. So your attention and interest is relieved from being obsessed with this little self, trying to get out of self all day, and then it lifts, and now it's free from that, yeah, a day at a time. It's beautiful, huh? So the steps are meant to deal with a mental condition, but they're not meant to produce a spiritual condition. You are a spiritual condition already. You can't produce it. All you do is diminish the attention and the interest, and you can't do that either, but when the, the attention and interest that's going to the mental process is lifted, that what you would call maybe here spiritual. You become, quote-unquote, spiritual, because you're relieved of that bondage of self. Your self will never get out of self. Never. How can it? It's a product of a process. It can't leave the process that produces it. It's impossible. It doesn't have an existence. It can't leave its home base because that's the only base it's got. When it leaves the mental process, there's no one, no, you ain't going anywhere. You're just a remembrance. You're not the doer. You're not the claimer. You're not the haver. You're not the thinker. You're not the feeler. It's just a memory. And the memory only can seem to appear to be the memory to be real in this mental process called self. It doesn't appear to be real anywhere else. Tell me where your historical mic is right now. It's fucking not here. You have nothing, you have no, you're not even close to what you used to call you when you were five years old. <laughs> Give me a break. You know, I have the same personality. No, you don't. <laughs> Everything that you call us or is used to think is us goes through erosion, changes, has constantly based on circumstances and situations. There's no you, no solid inherent you anywhere. That's what we are, is that no, that no thingness. We're not of thingness. That's the beauty. At least it'll produce a little lightness in your life that can stabilize. Seriously. Yeah. You'll lose interest in your little plans and designs. And you'll gain interest in a lot of other things. It's not, but the point is, it's not you that loses the interest, and it's not you that gains the interest. It's just losing and gaining. And always there's the awareness of it all. And even if it's not aware, there's still the awareness. I would say, if you followed you back to every, in every moment, to the last place you could go, you wouldn't be there. It would be awareness. And if you went over, really, historically, over every moment you were ever at, the person or the feeling of being you would be different in a lot of those moments, but the one baseline would be awareness of the moment. That hadn't changed at all. I mean, if you feel like you're going to reveal who you are, I think you are being revealed every second of every day. <laughs> you are that which is seen. You know, you are that awareness. You are that consciousness. I don't know why we're having so difficulty getting it, because we're suddenly holding on to this idea of being the doer and the haver, I guess. Because, obviously, if you look at every moment in your life, there was a baseline or a contextual aspect, I would say, which is you, that was always there at all times, which is awareness or consciousness or oneness, whatever you want to call it. Yeah? How, how can we... It's just, why would we stop here and say, this is me, and stake our flagship to this, which is going down, you're going to die. I mean, when uh, what we really are is obviously ex is an example every second of every day. Where's my original face? Where did I put it? I can't see it. 
Exactly. That's the beauty of it. <laughs> You're seeing it. You're seeing from it. Have the experience of seeing myself. Well, fuck it, you know. <laughs> it's not available here. That's not one of the available possibilities here. You're not going to experience what you are. It's impossible. You'd have to be something relevant as what you're not, and you're not that. It does translate because I was a really fucked up character mentally up there and really I found nothing seemed to have worked actually this my solution seemed, seemed to stimulate its growth even more the more I got excited about a solution the more of, of a problem it became <laughs> I mean it was like a real tricky little trap I was still thinking I was getting out but I was actually appearing to be in a lot more yeah wow and I, there was no way I could... I never saw it. Never. Never fucking saw it. Then someone brought the news from outside of me. And all I needed was that invitation. Because once I was invited, I saw it. You know, I just opened up. What? And then the, the camera lens that seemed to be stuck on a certain aperture, like, like called self-centeredness, just started to open up. But I needed that one little bit of gas, like a catalyst. You know, the to start the carburetor, just put in the carburetor to start the engine. You don't pour the whole can of gas in. All you do is put a couple drops in. It incites the engine to start. It fires, and then why would you want to, if you pour more gas in, you flood it. Yeah, you get the exact opposite result. Then you already got the result. You're on. Now drive. Don't keep, I want to be more on, or get really on, or authentically on. Fuck it, you're driving. Go. <laughs> you know? And see where it takes you, and how it takes you. You know how you travel throughout your day. It's undeniable that the absence of all of your object of concern and worry, by its absence, all that interest and attention that's so like contracted on this one idea of you expands, almost like the the uh, original bang, the big bang. Your interest of tension just explodes out, and you feel the sense of that presence, you know. And it's never going to be not there. I mean, talk about uh, reliability. It's beyond reliability. Questions? Sonny, good to see you. No? I have a thing tomorrow on El Cerrito. I'm trying to say it now before I forget.